Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our in-depth study into the book of Revelation by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. You have your Bibles. Turn to the Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. We have this message, and then, Lord willing, next Sunday we will finish out the Revelation. The year of the Revelation. You say, well, what, that was last year, and we're already in this year. It was supposed to be the year of the Revelation. Wait just a minute. Hold on a second. I was out one week for vacation. We had a special service one week, and then I gave you three weeks of Christmas. So there's 52 weeks. I'm like, what can I say? The year of the Revelation. But it's been an enjoyable experience for me. I hope it has for you. As the Lord has enlightened our hearts and revealed to us in this powerful book what He is about and what is about to happen in the life of this world and His creation, and more importantly, in the life of those who are redeemed. And to be a part of that redeemed family is what a glorious blessing. This is the conclusion of the book, and every conclusion that does an adequate job is going to summarize the major points of what's been made in that particular story or that particular message. And John does that as he finishes out this revelation of what Jesus said. This is a conclusion. He's going to help us to understand some important parts and summarize some parts that he has covered throughout this letter as he has written that to the churches of Asia Minor, to the churches as well as in our day. So, We're here in Revelation chapter 22, and I want to begin reading in verse number 8. And it says, And I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, Do not do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, And of those who heed the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. Let the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And let the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Behold... I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to eat of the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers, and immoral persons, and the murderers, and the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. Leave your Bibles open as we look at these verses today of this conclusion of this glorious revelation. First of all, John reminds us who it is that is pinning this, that God has chosen to pin this revelation. There in verse 8, And I, John, that beloved disciple... That closest friend to Jesus, 
That one who has been a faithful servant and a pastor of the church at Ephesus and has carried out and watched many of his fellow apostles be martyred, but he has lived to a ripe old age and now had been placed on the Isle of Patmos in exile because of his faith, but there received that revelation. And just as he began this book and said, this is who writes it, this is who pens it, this is the one who has seen this vision, John, I am John. I'm that one that you can trust, that you can believe. I'm the one who has persevered in the faith. And what have I done? I've shared to you everything that I have heard and I've seen. This is not what was made up for me. This is not my imagination. But the Lord Jesus Christ himself here on the Isle of Patmos has revealed vision after vision to me, taking me into the realms of heaven and to show me into the future of what is yet to take place. And I'm sharing with you what I have seen and what I have heard. Whenever he talks about what he's seen and he's heard and, he, and he's just kind of overcome by what God has shared with him. These last few weeks as we've seen what the he- new heaven, new earth is going to be like, what the new Jerusalem is going to be like. And all the things that God has planned for those of us who are redeemed. Whenever he sees that, he just becomes so overwhelmed by it that his natural response is he has to worship. I think that should be our response. Amen. Whenever God reveals to us what he's done to us and how he's blessed us and all he has in store for us, our hearts ought to be moved to worship Almighty God. I hope that when we study the revelation that you have been moved to worship and adore the Lord God. And that's what John was. He was moved in his spirit to worship. He was so moved in his spirit that he gets mixed up in his worship. What do I mean? Well, he worships the wrong person. Look what he says here. I, John, when I saw these things, as I heard and saw them, listen, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And as I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel, the angel said to me, here's the truth, do not worship me. Do not do that. One other time he had fallen down and and sought to worship the angel. The angel says, get up, get up. Don't be worshiping an angel. Don't be wor- you don't worship the servants, you worship the king. Amen. You, you don't worship those who are who are the messengers. You, you you worship the one who sends the message. And he says, Do not worship me. Now, here's a great truth in that. We are not to worship the servants of God. We are to worship God. Amen. We're not to worship the messengers. We're to worship the one who gives the message. And that is whether it be an angel that John bowed before to worship or whether it be a servant of God, which would be a staff member, a pastor, or anybody who's in the service of the king. We are not to worship them. There is only one who is worshiped, and that is the Lord God. Amen. So I hope in your heart and your mind you would never worship a pastor, you never worship a staff member, you never worship an angel, you never worship anybody who is simply a servant of the living God. For God alone is deserving of worship. And always give your attention and always give your glory and always give your time and your praise to Almighty God, for He is worthy. The angel said, listen, I'm simply a servant of God. And notice what he says about that. I am a fellow servant of yours. Just as you, John, are an apostle and God chose to use you and all of those apostles, I'm a fellow servant just like your apostles. I'm also a fellow servant just like God chose to use the prophets of old. 
Just as he used those prophets of old and, and, and he gave forth his message, they were servants of God. I, as an angel, am a servant of God. Just as he used apostles, just as he used prophets, and also those who heed the words of this book. And everybody else who's redeemed, everybody else who heeds the word, everybody else who responds by faith, everybody who has a relationship with God, who enters into a relationship of being the servant of God, I am a servant just like you. And therefore, do not worship me. Do not worship me. But he gives the instruction. Notice the very last statement of verse 9. Here's the truth. Worship God. Worship God. If you had one thing you might want to take home this week for you, and you might want to write it on the mirror or write it on your refrigerator or wherever you spend most of your time. I don't know where that might be. But wherever you spend most of your time, you might want to just write those, those two words. Worship God. God. Worship God. Isn't that a great reminder? It's it's not just a reminder that we shouldn't be worshiping the wrong person, but that God is worthy of worship. And it also pricks our heart that we shouldn't be just going idly through life and living life as though we've got all these cares of life and we forget that the most important thing we do that day, the most important thing we do any day of our life is to worship the living God. And to praise and adore him. And the angel said, John, don't bow down and worship me. John, I'm a fellow servant of yours. You're not to worship me, but there is something you should do. And that is worship almighty God. Worship God. Take that home with you today. Let that prick your heart. He is certainly worthy of worship. Then the angel gives instruction from the Lord Jesus about what to do with this book. This wonderful revelation, this apocalyptic literature, this, this message that everybody should hear, this symbolic truths that he is going to reveal. What do you do with the revelation? Here's what he says in verse 10. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy, the prophecy of this book For the time is near. Here was his instruction. Do not seal up the words of this book. Now that is in comparison to what he told Daniel in Daniel chapter 12. Remember Daniel and and Revelation. We've looked at Daniel a lot because it's just the fulfillment of what Daniel was seeing. He told Daniel in Daniel chapter 12 verse 9. Go your way Daniel for these words are concealed and sealed up. Until the end time. He told Daniel, Daniel, what you've seen, that is to be sealed up. It is not to be revealed. It is not yet time for that to be understood. But he tells John this about the revelation. Do not seal up this book. This book should be read. This book should reveal. This book should be exposed. This book is for today. This book is important because it's talking about and revealing the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, the reason I want you to leave it sealed is because of that important information, but also because of the time. The time, look what he says there in verse 10. For the time is near. The time is near. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that doesn't really make sense. I mean, whenever John wrote this, that's 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago doesn't seem like the time is near. Well, what he's really saying about that is there's nothing else that has to happen. 
From that time when John wrote that till today, there is nothing else that has to happen in order for the second coming, the rapture of the church, and all the events that are, that are revealed in the Revelation to take place. There's not one thing prophetically we're waiting. Well, this has to happen before that takes place. Not one thing. It is near because everything is in place. And whenever Jesus gets ready to come and rapture his church, all things will be in place. Not one other thing has to happen. If somebody is sitting there waiting for the golden tablets to fall out of the sky to give them a new revelation, if they're expecting there to be another visitation of the Son of God, they're expecting something cataclysmic to happen in order for there to be another word or another revelation that points to the second coming, it's not going to happen. Everything is in place. And the time is near. The time is near. And today we're closer than they were then. Amen? It could be today. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, if it were today. Now, some of you say, oh, I don't want it to be today. Well, you hold on. You need to come next week. You need to come next week. You know, I, I, don't, I don't really want it to be today. I don't want it to be. You come next week. You need to find out what God expects of his church, what God expects of believers, and what we're supposed to be praying every day, what we're supposed to be anticipating. The time is near. Now, notice notice this interesting verse right here. Verse 11. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. And let the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who's righteous still practice righteous. Let the one who is holy still keep himself holy. What is he talking about? What does he mean by that? Well, he means this, that when this book is exposed, when it is revealed, it is not sealed, it is not hidden, but it is revealed and it is to be read. Now, I hope the only time you read the Revelation is not because we've gone through it in a year. I hope you read the Revelation often. You need to keep in your mind about the truths of that Revelation because it, it is something that should be the, one of the greatest evangelistic tools and motivations of our lives. And we should be out there making a difference in somebody's life, telling them about the truth of the gospel, because the end time is coming. Amen? But the reality of that is what he says here, is that even though this glorious revelation, this unbelievable truth that comes from Jesus himself to John, that the churches might know it, that even though that is sent, there are going to be some people who are not going to heed the words of that revelation. Now, that's almost from, from the angel's perspective, speaking on behalf of Jesus, it's almost uh, unfathomable that that could possibly take place. I mean, if the Son of the living God is sending this message through the angel that John would have it to write it and expose it, don't you think everybody in the world would say, yes, yes, I'll do what he says. But he says that's not going to happen. They will hear that glorious revelation. They hear the words of the truth of this awesome book. And those who are filthy will be filthy. And those who are sinners, many will stay sinners. That means that many will not heed the word of the book. They will not heed the word of the book. That's happened during this year. I'll guarantee you, I will guarantee you there have been people who have been in almost every one of our surfaces, if not in person, by the internet or on television, there have been people who have heard the preaching of the gospel through the revelation in that glorious truth that God sent to John on the Isle of Patmos, and there are people who've heard it, but have not heeded it. And they're still just as lost 
just as headed in the wrong direction as they ever were. For even though that glorious revelation is given, some who are sinful are going to remain sinful and are not going to heed the words and respond to the word. But there are those who are righteous and there are those who will be made righteous. And he says, but the righteous one will continue to be righteous and those who are holy will continue to be holy. He encourages them and this word is an encouragement to them to keep living your life for Jesus' sake. Amen? I'm telling you what, when I read the words of that and it talks about all the judgments going to happen and how God's going to protect us and take us and what it's going to give to us, it encourages me to keep on keeping on. Just keep on keeping on. Keep on living for Christ. Because if the rewards are not here, the rewards are there and they are certain for he has promised them and he cannot lie. Amen? And so this life that we're living and, and trying to walk in a Christ-like manner is worthy because the rewards are yet to come. But there, Jesus says, there are going to be some who will not heed it. There'll be some who will not respond to it. There'll be some who will, but some who won't. But do not let that hinder the revealing of this revelation. Keep telling the revelation. Keep speaking the truth of that revelation. It must not be sealed up. Then he gives three important truths beginning there in verse 12. Three important truths that he is reminding us that he has said before in the word. Here's the first one. Behold, I am coming quickly. That's the first thing. Did you go back in the revelation and just read how many times he says that? I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. Be ready. I'm coming quickly. And, And what that means is this, that that once Jesus comes, all right, once he comes and once it ushers in this beginning of the end times, which, what is that? That's the rapture of the church. Remember? The rapture of the church, whenever Jesus comes and calls his bride and takes his bride with him, that will begin the end time events. And what it says is that when that happens, all this is going to happen quickly. It's going to happen within a seven-year period, that tribulation period, all the way over to the thousand-year reign. All of those are going to happen. There will be no delay. As soon as it begins, it will happen quickly, right by each other. And within seven years, the tribulation will happen, thousand-year reign will take place, and there will be no delay. So whenever it begins, it's going to happen quickly. But also, it's the fact of this. It's going to happen quickly because we do not know at what moment Jesus is coming. He's going to come in the twinkling of an eye. He's going to come in a moment of time. He's going to come when least expected. And therefore, be ready. Be ready. I was talking this week to, to some people. We were, we were discussing something. I said, you know, the problem with many people who do not know Jesus. If you're here and you do not know Jesus, this is one of the lies of the enemy. The enemy will tell you that God is real. He'll tell you that Jesus Christ is Savior. He'll tell you the Word of God, the Bible is the Word. He'll tell you every one of those things. He'll say all those things are true, but just don't respond yet. Just don't respond yet. For he wants you to hold on and wait one day too late. He wants you to wait one day too late. See, the problem with some people, they die one day early. They do. 
Because I've known people, I've shared the gospel with people, and they say, you know, one day I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. One day I'm going to make that decision. I want to do that before I die. But I'm just not ready to do that right now. And what they're really saying is because I just like really being Lord of my life, and I want to be Lord of my life as long as I can be. But right before I die, I'm going to let Jesus be Lord of my life so I can go to heaven. And, And the problem is those people die early. It happens quickly. Death happens quickly. But the coming of the Son of God to take away his church comes quickly. And remember, from what I believe, is when you've heard the gospel of Christ and you've rejected the gospel of Christ in this time, in this dispensation, when you've rejected the gospel of Christ and he comes, I do not believe that you'll respond to the gospel during the tribulation period. I believe you'll be blinded to that. I believe your opportunity is over because you rejected the gospel during the day of grace. So it's quickly coming. And whenever he does come, it's going to happen quickly. That's the first truth that he reminds us of that he summarizes that he said throughout this book. Here's the second thing, though, he says. Look there in verse 12. And my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Here's the second truth. Jesus is coming as judge, all right? He's coming as judge. The first part as judge is he is coming to bring reward. He wants to bring reward to those of his faithful ones. He wants to bring reward to those who have surrendered their life to him, who are living for the cause of Christ. He has a reward, and great the reward will be, amen? We've talked about those rewards, and he is going to come and bring the reward to those who are righteous, yet... He is also coming to be judge of the unrighteous. He's going to be judge of the unrighteous. And, and he's going to judge them. And, he's go, and the judgment is going to be severe because they have rejected the gospel message. Because they've rejected the hope that he brought into their life. And the judgment of God will come. And that they will be away and cast away. Away from the presence of God. Away from the blessings of God. All those things are going to happen. He is coming and he is going to be judge. He's coming quickly. He's coming to judge, to bring the reward, and to judge those who are unrighteous. Here's the third truth, though. Listen to what he says in verse 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You know what he says there? He said, I have been here from the beginning before there was a beginning, and I will be here before there's ever an end. I know the first thing that ever took place. I know the last thing that ever took place. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am. Therefore, because I am and because I've been here through it all, I need no witnesses. I need no witnesses. Remember we talked about that. Whenever it's going to be the judgment, when the judgment seat of Christ happens, when that white throne judgment happens, there is a judge. You remember, there is no jury. There's a prosecutor, but there are no, is no defender. There, is no, there are no witnesses that come because, see, whenever you're standing before the judge who knows everything from first to last, beginning to end, there is no need for witnesses. And what God says is, I know everything about you. I know everything about, there is no deceiving me. I know everything about you and I know you from the deepest recesses of your heart to everything that you do with your body. I know everything about you and therefore I am the righteous judge and whether you receive reward or punishment, it'll be on the basis of what I know about you. 
Wow. You can fool some people sometimes, can't you? We can even fool ourselves at times. Can't you? But you'll never fool God. Because he knows your actions, your thoughts, the very intent of your heart. He knows it. He's coming quickly. He's coming to judge, rewards, punishment. There'll be no witnesses. No need for witnesses. For he knows it all. Then he shares about the eternal destination. He, he's talked about all through the book. He's coming here to conclude that, to summarize. That's what he says about the eternal destination. Verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter by the gates into the city. Let's take that one first. The eternal destination of those who are blessed. Those who are blessed. And, and I want to take what he writes and I want, to, I want to give it to you backwards. I want you to look at the verse backwards. Look what it says there in verse 13 or verse 14. It says, they're blessed because they get to enter into the city. You remember the new Jerusalem, that beautiful, glorious city? They're blessed because they get to enter into the city. They're blessed because they get to walk through the unclosed gates. You remember the gates, don't you? The gates of pearl. But the thing about those gates are they are never closed, for they would only close at dark or night, and there is no night there, for God illumines his city. And so there are gates of pearl that are never closed. But they have the right to walk through those gates. It's not a matter of the gates are closed, they're open. But only certain people can walk through those gates. And you have to walk through the gates to get into the city. And they're blessed because they had a chance to walk through those unclosed gates to that city. And whenever they get in the city, they have the right. Look what in verse 14. They have the right and the privilege to eat of the tree of life. The tree of eternal life, they will live a life forever. Not just eternal existence, eternal life. And it described that tree, the fact of its fruit and how abundant it is and how a variety of it is and how it is the healing if you ever needed to be healed, which you want in heaven. It describes that tree. It is a tree of life and they have the opportunity. Okay? They get to live in the city. They get to walk through the gates. They get to eat of the tree of life. Why? Very first phrase. They're blessed because they have washed their robes. They're blessed because their robes have been washed. And what have they been washed in? The only thing that can make a sinner whole. The only thing that can make a lost man redeemed. The only thing that can make a filthy person clean. And that is the precious blood of the Lamb of God. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. So that we might be washed in the blood. So that we can be made clean. Therefore, we can enter into those gates. Therefore, we can enter into that city. Therefore, we can eat of the tree of life. And we are most blessed. We are blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Glory to him. I'm just going to fill in the gaps where y'all supposed to be talking right now. <laughs> y'all ought to be excited about that. I'm going to tell you. I, I, I'm, really, I'm really interested whenever we get to heaven, what y'all, you Baptists are going to be like. 
I, re- I really am, you know. I was, I was reading this week in, 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 uh, uh, about Jericho. Y'all remember, you remember Jericho, the, the story of Jericho, the city of Jericho? I was reading that in the Old Testament. And it said, whenever they went out, do you remember how the walls fell? Oh, somebody's been reading. It wasn't the horns that blew that brought the walls down. It was the shouting of the people. I've pastored Baptist church a long time. I thought, Lord, we'd still be walking around them walls. <laughs> Ain't no Baptist shouted. God told about you got to shout to bring the walls down. We're just going to just keep walking, Lord. Just keep walking. We're going to shout. When you get to heaven, you're going to shout. Amen. There's a reason to shout. Other than football games, there's a reason to shout. Because we are blessed to enter into that gate to take of the tree of life because we've been washed in the blood of the lamb. We are blessed. But there's also an eternal destination for those who are not so blessed. Look what it says in verse 15. Very important. Outside, circle that word, outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. There are those who are outside. Now, that's not talking about just outside of the gates. If you had the image that we're here inside of this glorious New Jerusalem and right outside the gate are all these sinners. No, it means outside the blessings of God. Outside the blessed provision of God. For see, these people's destination is not outside the gate. But back in Revelation 21, verse 8, it says, And their destination is the lake that burns with fire, which is the second death. He names that same group of people with a few other additions to that. They are outside the blessings of God, for they shall live in a place of death and torment forever and ever. Those who are listed there in verse 15 of chapter 22. They're outside of the blessings of God. I had somebody last week come. I don't know if they're here today. They asked me, they said, man, when I was reading ahead of you last week, I said, it says dogs aren't there. I don't think they wanted to go because dogs weren't going to be in the house. Yet messed, it messed up that movie, you know, dog, all dogs go to heaven. That word dogs is not talking about dogs. It, it's talking about Philippians 3, 2. It's talking about a sinful people. You can read it there. But also in Deuteronomy 23, 18, you ought to write that down. Deuteronomy 23, 18, it refers to the dogs in 23, 18. And the dogs it's talking about there were male prostitutes, male temple prostitutes. And there it's talking about a sinful person, an ungodly person. So it says outside of the blessings of God are all those sorcerers and immoral and murderers and idolaters. Every one of them who practices lying, they're outside the blessings of God. Friend, you are going to spend eternal destiny one of two places. You're going to be in the blessed place of God in that glorious city that God has prepared. Or you're going to be outside the blessings of God in a place that he prepared not for you. He prepared for Satan and the demons of hell. But you've chosen to go there because you reject the gospel of Christ. Now, hold on just a second. I want you to understand something. In this group up here in verse 14, every one of those who are blessed, in that same group you find murderers. Did you know that? In that same group you find people who've lied. In that same group you find immoral people. You find all kind of people in that group up there that says they've been blessed. 
But the difference between these two groups is that that first group realized that they were sinners. And they asked Jesus to forgive them of their sin. And he forgave them of their sin and he made them new. And when he makes them new, they are not liars or murderers anymore. They are children of God who receive the blessing of God. What I want you to understand is every one of us who have been redeemed, every person who makes up the church, we're not one bit better than the person who is outside the blessings of God. The only thing that we've done is that we've heard the simple gospel and we have believed that Jesus will save us and that makes us a recipient of the blessings of God. And you here today... If you fall into one of those categories, you can be a recipient of the blessings of God just like I am. Just by asking Jesus to make you new so that no longer are you known as the liar or the murderer, but you're known as the forgiven child of God who receives the blessings of God. Wow, what a privilege, amen? What a privilege. And every person has that opportunity today. If you don't know Jesus, you need to give your heart to Jesus today. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.